just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully all is going well for you. We're at Thursday in a short week after the July 4th holiday. And on this show, this is kind of a new thing for us. We've never done this before. Ed is with us. Thank you for joining me, Ed. You bet. Glad to be here, Mike. And as if Ed isn't enough of a treat on the Rational Boomer podcast, we're also bringing in a listener, Fred, who has been on the show before. Uh, He did a great job. So he said, how about you and I and Ed do something? Uh, And I said, cool, let's do that. Let's give it a try. We don't know how it's going to go, but this is recorded ahead of time. I can always shit can the show if I have to, (laughs) but I don't think I have to. So Fred, welcome to the show as well. Thank you. Thanks again. It's it's great to be back and it's an honor to to be with Ed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. That's cool. (laughs) Not that much of an honor, actually. (laughs) Let me fluff his ego a little bit. So here's what we've got. We've got three rational boomers in one show. I don't know. Uh, I I think the effects of this might have something similar to what we're worried about with CERN. We might open up a portal that we may not <laughs> want to ever close. Hopefully that's the case. And, well, and it, yeah, that, that would be a good, that would be, be hope, hopeful for that to happen. Anyway, Ed, what I want to suggest is, you know, Fred's from Illinois, and he lives a short uh, distance away from Highland Park where we had this tragic shooting. So uh, what better place to start than somebody who's right in the mix of this huge story, this tragic story that we saw? Fred, tell us about where you are and and your connection to this whole thing. Sure. I I live about... uh about 20 minutes from Highland Park and Highland Park is a community that um, has a really nice downtown. It's a place where we would often go walk around, look at the shops. It's got kind of a, like a small town feel to it in the downtown. So it's a a really popular area. Um, And then I've got a further connection to it. My wife actually uh, lived in Highland Park till she was 13 and my neighbor, my next door neighbor grew up there as well. And his folks still live there. Um, my sister works at Highland Park Hospital and, uh, you know, my, I have some family members that are in law enforcement that were deployed to Highland Park. So, I mean, it's just, it's connections all around. I have friends that I I went to high school with or or new in high school that, that now live in Highland Park. So they, they were directly affected by it. And, you know, just, you always think like, wow, this stuff that happened in Uvalde and all the other shootings that like, it'll never happen here. Well, it happened 20 minutes from me. So it, it's, it's, it takes an entirely different feel being so close to it and seeing people that you know and people that you love that are directly affected by it. I got one question, Fred. Yeah. Do you know Ferris Bueller? I do, yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought you probably went to school with him, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know what? The Ferris Bueller house is in Highland Park, and I have visited before where, they, uh, where Cameron's dad's Ferrari goes out the back. That's yeah. in Highland Park, and I've, I've uh, been there, and they, they filmed The Breakfast Club there, and uh, we have a lot of uh, 
that area, it, it has an older feel to it. So they did film a lot of those 80 movies there. Yeah, I think that's really significant, quite quite frankly, because it, it's an American icon in a way. And to have something like this happen there is kind of uh, almost destructive to the American myth, if you know what I mean. You know, Fred, I don't know if it was you that mentioned it or somebody else who mentioned it. They suggested that the uh, Highland Park at one time was a highly Jewish community. And people wondered if that played into this at all. I mean, this this creepy little fuck that shot people from the top of a building, he had a lot of issues. And there were a lot of red flags for him, why they weren't caught or why something wasn't done. I don't know. But do you, is that still the case, that Highland Park is is a, a largely Jewish community? Yeah, you know, I was, when you, it was an email that you had gotten and you were reading it, and I was nodding my head, like, emphatically, yes, it is. It's Highland Park. So when I was a kid, I went to Hebrew school in the town next to Highland Park called Deerfield. And a lot of the, the kids were from Deerfield or Highland Park. And it's still that way today. Um, I don't think there's as many synagogues as there were. But uh, typically, when you think of Highland Park, you think of there's a big Jewish community and there's a big Italian community. So, you know, I, my mind initially went there. Like this, this piece of shit, did he do this because he's an anti-Semite? And, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I think they should investigate that. Absolutely. Um, that said, I mean, his dad is a trump fuck He's a trump fuck And, you know, you can't help but go there. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I read this morning that he tried to get into a synagogue first and what couldn't get in and then decided on the uh, the rooftop. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a weird weird scenario. I mean, there doesn't seem to any be be any basis in reasoning for it, unless there are some racist or misogynistic or anti-Semitic reasons for it. I mean, largely what we're seeing is these kids of that age are looking for fame more than anything, and that's the sad fucking thing about it. They think this is going to make them famous, and they don't really even think about the after effect it's like a big a big video game for them i think that's true and i also think that they think and i think this has been encouraged by trump himself and and others allied with him that this is the new normal and uh, that they will be either pardoned or forgiven or held up i mean look at kyle rittenhouse what's the difference yeah absolutely absolutely I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I just, uh, when it, when it happened, I mean, I, I had shared with you that I was riding, I was on my son and I had gone to Boston. We were riding back on, we took, you know, made an adventure out of, took Amtrak back and my phone starts blowing up and, you know, Hey, there's been a mass shooting in Highland park and you, know, you start doing research on it. And, you know, then my son, my son's friends are texting him and, you know, and, and then you look at the guy and then all the stuff about the social media and the, uh, his rap videos and that's all he wanted he wanted to be noticed and and i think by um people like going on his facebook page and you know because there was a lot of people that had gone on his facebook page and were posting stuff it's like that's what he wanted i, I truly believe that's what he wanted he wanted to be famous like ed said it's just, i just want fame and i want to be noticed and i don't care how i get it if i have to kill seven people i'll do it you have to wonder about the parent, too, because uh, if I go out, if I had a kid, which I don't, but if I had one and I went out and uh, say it's his graduation party and I get a bunch of booze and he and his friends get liquored up 
and they take off in a car and they crash into a van full of kids and kill them all and the, the other kids. Who's going to take the fall for that? Me, the guy that gave him the liquor. Now, same thing with the gun. I mean, this kid has had run-ins before. They've taken away his knives and so forth. His father signs for him to get these weapons of mass destruction. Isn't the father liable? Absolutely. I mean, he, as I understand it, he's a politician to a quasi-politician. He ran for mayor of some place. I don't know. It might have even been. Highland he ran for Park. mayor of Highland Park. Well, yeah. so so this kid is from Highland Park. Yeah. He actually that, lives in High, Highwood, which mm-hmm. is the next. I mean, it's it's basically the next town over. They go to Highland Park High School. So, I mean, it's pretty much one and the same. But yeah, he's from the area. So sure. so did he did he pick this spot because of proximity or, or or because he had a particular hatred for the people of this town? I I just read something. I don't know if this is true. That and I can't remember where he was going. He his intention was to shoot up this town, get in his mom's car, and go someplace else and wreak some more havoc. Have, have either of you heard of that story? I yeah, understand. he went up to – oh, go ahead, Dad. You go. No, no you, you're you going the same place I am, so keep uh, up. So he, uh, he had driven up to Madison, right, Wisconsin, right. and he had contemplated uh, doing another shooting because they found his cell phone up there, and then he decided against it. And he drove back, and the road that they captured him on is the road that you take to come back from Wisconsin if you don't want to take the tollway. You take oh. this road, and uh, that's what he ultimately ended up doing. And they caught him even closer to my house. They caught him about 10 minutes from my house. Wow. So, you know, when I saw that, somebody had posted on, I think, on Instagram or Facebook, of, of, you know, the actual apprehension. And I was like, that's really close to my house. That's That's crazy. It is kind of frightening, you know, and, and this is becoming all too common these days. And what's interesting is, you know, back in the old days, you would hear about these kind of horrific crimes in the bad parts of town, technically. Um, but now it can crop up anywhere. It can crop up in an upscale uh, suburb like Highland Park or a small uh, grocery store in Pennsylvania or a little school in a tiny ass town. That, that, that's what I think troubles most people. They don't know where this is going to crop up or what's going to happen. They could be anywhere and a shooting could start. And that's where we are now. I, I don't remember the name of it, but I remember reading a fantasy novel years and years ago. And there was this civilization that was beset by dragons and, uh, there were uh, there were three rules for kids who went outside. One was to be watchful. Number two was listen for an alarm. And the number three was run and don't look back. And that's pretty much where we are now. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs that this country is in. And then I hear somebody like Tucker Carlson. I don't know if you heard this story. I had it on the podcast this morning. <laughs> but Tucker He's Carlson. women. Yeah, he's blaming women for shaming men and uh, psychotropic drugs and all that shit. I mean, (laughs) this clown is purposely avoiding the obvious. It's clearly guns and the type of guns this kid had, and the Republicans refuse to acknowledge it. I mean, and to take that a step further, an hour after the shooting had happened, the Republican nominee, Darren Bailey, for governor, of Illinois, 
he does a Facebook live. I got it because I I follow all the Republicans in the state, you know, just so I know what's going on with them. So I get a notification he's gone live. So I pull it up. He's got about 40 or 50 supporters around him and they've all got campaign signs, you know, like uh, fire Pritzker. J.B. Pritzker is our governor now who I got to say has done a fantastic job with the covid uh, pandemic and, and just the state in general. But Darren Bailey is your typical Southern Illinois rural Republican, total Trump lafuck. Um, and it, to put it in perspective, he's the one who sued our governor over the mask mandate, and he won. But the judge basically said, okay, you don't have to wear a mask then. <laughs> um, but anyway, he goes on this Facebook Live, and he starts saying, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with the people of Highland Park. But we need to put it behind us and celebrate our freedom. It just fucking and- happened. I'm like, the bodies aren't even cold yet. And you're spouting this bullshit. I was livid. But then what even got me even more fired up is the people on his page uttering his live. Oh, God bless you. Governor Bailey got. I'm like, I can't even with this right now. It just happened. And this guy has the audacity to go put it behind us and celebrate our freedom. Uh, yeah, I can't a, read. I can't read comments anymore on that kind of thing. I'll look at it. I'll, I'll consider it, but I can't read the comments because otherwise it makes me homicidal. And I, I don't like feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing about it, I, I don't watch Fox news and this stuff because it does make me angry. Every time I see it, I can't imagine somebody sitting and listening to Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or some of the bullshit that comes out of these Republican politicians it just it just annoys me and 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 i know there's nothing i can do about it the people that hear it will just consume it and 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 regurgitate it and they don't have a thought about what it really means but but what i do think is that we're getting a percentage of the republicans that are reasonable minds that are saying fuck i don't want to be involved in that and that's what i'm hoping is going to help us come the midterms I, I think you're right. And I, I am actually feeling a turn. I think Roe has a lot to do with it and the Supreme Court and where they're heading and where people fear they're heading is uh, contributing to that. But I was beginning to feel it even before that. A lot of it has to do with the January 6th committee hearings, which have, uh, I think, opened some eyes. Um, and the, the Republicans, see, I'm, I'm uh, Fred, I'm in a very strange area here. I'm in Northeast Tennessee, which stayed with the North in the Civil War. My great-grandfather fought with the North, actually fought with the South, too. I think he was drafted both times, so he's not exactly <laughs> not exactly a hero. He kind of went with the flow, but he got a Union pension out of it, so there you go. But uh, the people here, though, when I was a kid, they tended to be kind of like Lincoln Republicans, and um not like the Dixiecrats, right, with all of the, I mean, the Democrats back then were the racist party, for a lot of them were anyway. And um, um, the people here, though, have gradually been seduced, and uh, they've lost their heritage, and they don't realize their great-grandfather fought for the North. They're waving their rebel flags and all of that. And uh, you guys have uh, governors who did their best to modify the pandemic, I just noticed this morning that Tennessee is the second behind West Virginia for the most deaths from COVID. And uh, as a state, uh, the uh, um, not not numbers wise, but percentage wise. So uh, 
um, that that that's scary. I'm down here, a little blue dot in a big red sea. And uh, so I, I'd kind of keep my head down and just do things like this rather than confront people online, except on Twitter, because I don't give a crap, because most people down here don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that the pride flag I have flying outside my house right now wouldn't go over well where you're living. It wouldn't be there in the morning. I'm pretty sure there are, you know, there's quite a good underground here of uh, both gay people and uh, people like me who have, um, uh, you know, I was born here. I went away for 50 years to Minnesota and I moved back and uh, uh, found something totally different from what I left. And uh, if I had explored it a little more, maybe we wouldn't be here, but we are here and we're making do. Well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, Ed talks about the red state down in uh, uh, down in Tennessee. I live in blue Minnesota, but I got to tell you there, and Ed and I have talked about this because he knows as well as anybody uh, about the situation that um, there are parts in the metro area that are as red as fucking red can be. And I'm sure you've got the same in Illinois. Oh yeah. If, if, if it wasn't for Chicago, we would be red state. I mean, that's the Chicago area. Although, you know, the northern suburbs, northwest suburbs where I live have become blue. We Our state rep and our uh, House, uh, U.S. House representative is Democrats, pretty liberal. Um, but, you know, and it, part of that is to, you know, I hate to say this because of gerrymandering as well. But, you know, that happens everywhere. Um, but but like you, yeah, I it's uh, thankfully I, I'm not a red dot and a big or a blue dot and a big red sea. But we definitely do have, I mean, even on my street, we've got people that, you know, that uh, are definitely Trump supporters. I, I got well, what, I got friends I grew up with that grew up in the same place I did that are fucking Trump supporters. I don't get it. I don't get it either, because where you grow up, grew up, Mike, was probably the most liberal neighborhood, if not in the country, certainly in Minnesota. And, and for, uh, Fred, the reason he knows where I grew up is because where I grew up, he ended up living while he was here. So he's oh, yeah, very okay. familiar with the area. It's a blue collar union and, and a mixture of artists and people like that who kind of moved in later. But that, that, that was pretty much what it was. It was solid base Democrat. Uh, down here, uh, the Republicans were more moderate when I was a kid. This was Howard Baker territory, the guy who really took down Nixon with what did the president know and when did he know it? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird situation because you can be walking down the street looking at somebody and you don't know what they are. That's part of the reason why I even came up with this rational boomer thing, because if you look at me or if you look at Ed or if you even look at you, Fred, people are going to go, oh, there's a Trump humping misogynistic anti-Semite because of our age. And I knew there was more people out there like me, and I knew of Ed, and and I knew there would be other people. But thankfully, you know, through TikTok and and through the podcast, we're starting to gather more of these people of a reasonable mind that aren't racist, that aren't uh, anti-Semites. And I've always thought, you know, boomers make up about 70 million people in this country. Now you probably throw out half of them because they are trample fucks and, and racist. But if we could pull together the normal minded boomers, maybe we could have some uh, impact on what's 
going on in society. We're at a time when people are trying to toss us aside, uh, get us out of the way. But uh, we have enough people we can say, fucking shut up and sit down. We're going to do some shit. And that's what we hope to do with a rational boomer. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I'm actually a Gen Xer, but. Um, oh, you bastard. We're, get out for, of here. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Fred. <laughs> Um, so, so don't put me in your, 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 your I'm not an old white man. I'm a, a middle-aged white man. Uh, okay. But in any event, seriously, though, I mean, it, you look at the millennials and um, a lot of them are influenced by their parents because I have nephews and nieces and um, they voted for Trump. And it's simply because that's who their parents voted for. Right. And it's just it's just disheartening because it's like I, I said to my niece, I said, you understand that you just lost medical freedom. And she's like, yeah, but my dad said I should vote for Republican. So I said, but what do you think? She's like, I don't know. I don't care enough to follow it. I said, well, you should, you really should. Because if God forbid something happens and be thankful you live in Illinois, but let's say you're not living here and you can't go to get an abortion and you got to travel 900 miles to go get one. I said, you really should care about that, that stuff. Well, and, and it's not just the abortion issue. If they're going to take that right away from you, there's all kinds of other rights. Now, what if you don't have to get an abortion, but they decide to take contraception away from you? Now, that does impact everybody that's young, that's either thinking about or not having kids or not having kids at that time. That's, you know, I'm hoping that the millennials and the Gen Zs kind of get involved in this. That's why I'm glad to see the the, the, the hearings and all this stuff. Part of the reason Donald Trump lost is because a lot of people were scared and people, the same amount of people should be just as scared going into these midterms. And I'm really hoping the millennials and the Gen Z's finally take the time and the interest to look at what's going on. Cause this will really seriously impact their life. It's not going to impact our lives quite as much. I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not in a situation where I'm going to need an abortion with my wife or whatever, but, I'm really concerned about my kids and grandkids, and I hope they take notice. Well, the thing is, though, it does, it could possibly impact you in a way because of a lot of the, uh, the surgeries and so forth that are similar to abortion that are done because of other things are also being doctors are not doing them because uh, the procedure and so forth could be written up as an abortion because of the, what is done. A, a DNC for another purpose could also be, be written up that way and they could be charged. So they're, they're, it can impact literally anyone. It is scary to think that, that it is going to that. Um, you know, I'm thankful. I, I believe in Illinois they're working on um, legislation to basically codify or codify that they won't help the surrounding states because we're basically all the surrounding states are moving towards the way of banning abortion. And I think that Illinois is, if they haven't, they're working on it that uh, to not cooperate with those other states when they, you know, someone does come here to get an abortion or, or, you know, it, it's the, they, they're still blinded by the fact it's not necessarily, it's not killing a baby. They're not using it as birth control. There are so many other issues that, you know, women go through to, to, to have to have an abortion or even have birth control. I mean, women use it to regulate their, their cycle. It's not necessarily because they want to just go around having unprotected sex. And 
but that's what the the Trump and the the extremists on the right will will have people believe. Well, Minnesota is kind of in that same situation. Minnesota uh, abortion is legal; it will probably continue to be legal. But North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin are either going to make it illegal or in the process of making it illegal. And so we're this island. And and where that affects us now is that everybody in North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin who need an abortion are going to come to Minnesota. Now all of a sudden we've got all this uh, all this extra work for these people, and it's going to be hard to deal with. The um, and yet in a way, as as dramatic as this is, we should have known that. that we did know it was coming, of course. But if you look back, even before the, the court was completely stacked, what did they go after? They went after voting rights and they, they screwed that up. And um, now that the next thing will be, I guarantee you, the next thing in their sights is affirmative action. Then we will see um, gay marriage. We'll see everything, the other things that we've discussed. And, and there are a lot more. Uh, that that they will be going after. And I think ultimately, I mean, people think that, you know, when they think of these guys, they think of Louis Gohmert and people like that. But uh, there's the Ted Cruz's and people, too, who are intelligent, even though they're vile. Um, they are there. And there's all these think tanks funded by the Koch brothers who take the best and brightest and lure them in from the law schools and the schools of economics and so forth. And they're endowing chairs at uh, uh, economic uh, uh, faculty and that sort of thing all across the country to destroy the federal government. I mean, this is the ultimate thing they want to do, to destroy the federal government and create this kind of Soviet style uh, of aggregation of independent kind of nation states that cooperate on uh, defense, but they all have their own little potentate and they run it however they want to. And there's no rights left for anyone, especially women and minorities. I don't think I could even imagine living in a society like that, but (laughs) you know, now that you, you put it like that, it's, it's, that's that's the way I think that it's going. I mean, or at least they're trying to get it to go that way. And and they're succeeding to a certain extent because I think we as as liberals we're we're caught a little flat footed because we don't have that level of evil. We can't even imagine it that it, that it can happen. But but it's happened worldwide so many times that that's why uh, the Handmaid's Tale. There is nothing in it that the author couldn't find a reference to in real life. It's all real. It's just compressed into one story. And you listen to somebody like, uh, what was it, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who said, no, or was it Lauren Boebert, who said, one of those fucking idiots that said, uh, I'm getting tired of hearing this separation of church and state junk. The government shouldn't control the church. And here's the word. Here's the one that's the most scary. The church should control the government. Well, that is absolutely fucking stupid. Then I hear this little creepy guy. I can't remember if he's with some organization or he's got some TV show. He's like 25 years old. He's this creepy looking little fuck that you would never leave anything you value, including your kids near him. Uh, He was saying, we think this country should be run by Christians, ruled by Christians, make rules by Christians. And this is what he said. 
you know, Fred, you'll appreciate this one. The Jews can live here, but they have to understand that the Christians make all the decisions. What the <laughs> fuck is that? Well, then Ron DeSantis now has uh, um, the teachers all have to take a seminar that says that there is no, that uh, there was, it was based mistakenly, um, I can't remember the exact words, but the, the whole idea of separation of church and state is a mistake. They all have to take the seminar in Florida. So this is this is what we're looking at. We're looking at this is nothing but uh, ran, uh, but just flipped to Christian instead of uh, Muslim. It, it's fundamental. Fundamentalism is fundamentalism is fundamentalism, period. Well, as much as they're trying to try to destroy the government, uh, and Ed and I maybe have a little closer insight because we work for a school district. My wife was a teacher for 30 years. I think they're also trying to destroy any and all kinds of public education. Prior to what we saw with Donald Trump in 2016 and all that stuff, um, school districts have treated teachers and employees horribly. You know, it's always like, well, there's 10 people behind you, so you, you can do whatever the fuck you want or just leave. Now the problem is there's becoming a huge shortage of teachers. And I predicted this. There's a huge shortage of teachers. These young kids don't want the fucking jobs. And even if they did, they don't want to stay there 30 years. They want to do two or three years until they can get a real job. Um, but what they're doing now with all this other shit, they're just pushing young people away from teaching. And all these administrations, all these districts that had power are now going to be begging for people to come work for them. And they still won't come work for them. So that will be the destruction of public education. I mean, I, the, the school district that we live in is is a really progressive and you know, it's, it's a great district. That's why we moved here. Um, but that said, if you look on their their uh, their classifieds on their on the district website, I can't believe the amount of openings they have right now. Yeah, it's amazing. And they they're struggling to fill them. I mean, and, and they send you know they put Facebook pages, they email, they send email to through the PTO. Hey, if you know anybody that'd be interested in teaching. And it, it's just incredible. And, you know, luckily it hasn't impacted my son directly, but I do know that some of the other um, schools in the district have had to, you know, when they, they've had problems when a, when a teacher has been out, they have to uh, double up the classes. Like one teacher will have to teach two sections of a class at the same time. And if, if you've got 50 kids, teenagers, it's a waste. It's an absolute waste. And, I mean, it's it, it's sad because, you know, they I fear that, you know, people are, you know, four or five years ago when they're young, well, if you don't like it, go do something else. And that's come to fruition in a lot of districts, including, you know, uh, some of the quote unquote nicer areas. Well, I can certainly speak to this because here in Tennessee, we're so far beyond anything that's happening uh, anywhere else except maybe Florida. We have this uh, uh, Christo-fascist governor, uh, Bill Lee, who uh, made a deal with Hillsdale College or university, I guess they call it now, but it was Hillsdale College when Rush Limbaugh used to flaunt, flaunt it and, uh, and uh, you know, get all of his material, a lot of his material from professors there. But uh, it, it, it's a right-wing institution, and they are coming to Tennessee to open 80 charter schools. Um, this has been uh, a deal worked out with the governor. 
Um, they also, in the last session uh, of the legislature, approved uh, using vouchers for church and charter schools uh, in Tennessee. This is taxpayer money uh, going, you know, that that rich people can use to send their kids to these these schools because they charge too much for your average person to uh, it wouldn't pay the whole tuition, in other words. But it's it's a give back to the rich people there. And just the other day, the guy from Hillsdale was speaking to a private group, along with the governor who was standing right beside him and described the teachers of Tennessee as the dumbest students from the dumbest part of every university. And the governor has so far refused to uh, have any sort of uh, talk back on that or to contradict the guy, meaning he's uh, going right along with it. You know, he's tried to, to, to change the subject and so forth. But it, at this point, at least, uh, the, the teachers unions and so forth are trying to hold his feet to the fire on this. And I hope it I hope it makes a difference. But I, I'm not sure that it will, because we're so far gone uh, we're so, de- so, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, the, the Christo fascist owned the state period right, right. at this point. Well, the interesting thing is where Ed and I lived in Minnesota, there was a fair amount of charter schools that came into being and what we found, what I've seen as far as, and you can correct me if I'm wrong yet, but most of the charter schools are never successful. They don't work. There's often corruption and embezzlement and crimes in these things. But more importantly, here's the insidious part of it. Those people, those teachers at, 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 at charter schools, they get paid way less than public school teachers. So they're now, now trying to get rid of public schools, pay teachers less money and give kids a shittier education. And that, <laughs> that's pretty scary. Now, we have some charter schools here in Tennessee already, and they're all at the bottom uh, in in academics. Uh, none of more than I think it's two point five percent of the the requirements is what they annually fulfill, which is which is abysmal. And I can say that in Minnesota, I never found a charter school that was worth a, worth a damn. Not one. And I, I went to pretty much every school in the Minneapolis public schools for a, a feature I did called School News, using students to do reports and so forth. And I never found a charter school that would, would even uh, um, participate because they couldn't get it together enough to do even something like that. They were terrible and they were just uh, stealing money from the school district. But isn't that ultimately what the Republican Party, what the, the extremists want? They want our kids to not be educated. They want them to be, quote unquote, stupid so they can indoctrinate them. I mean, well, that's it. But there's also a financial angle. And I don't mean to dominate here, but it's something I'm really fired up about. Uh, all of these are being um, uh, in Tennessee, at least, and maybe nationwide. They're being opened by hedge funds. And the reason they do it is that uh, there is a, a provision, a tax break that allows you to put money into these charter schools. And after 10 years, you double your money. So uh, this is why it's being done. It's, it's, uh, it's another giveaway to the hedge funds and it uh, um, everybody needs to realize that, that that's what it's being done. And that's why it was, that's why the, the tax break is there. And that's why the uh, it's an assault on the public schools. And at the same time, a give back, to the really wealthy hedge fund people. 
They need to burn those head funds to the ground. <laughs> what they need to Exa- do. Exactly. There is not, they have never done anything good except destroy good businesses. And, uh, and in this case, schools. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned hedge funds and, and the schools. I personally think hedge funds should be outlawed. I mean, yes. hedge funds are sticking their nose in everything. I'll give you an example. We were looking at buying a condo in Georgia. And this condo is a nice complex. It's a gated community. I don't know how it is because it wasn't that expensive of a condo. But it's a beautiful place. And a lot of these condos in this place are being bought up by hedge funds, not to live there, not to rent out. What they do is they buy it, they fix it up a little bit and, and, and resell it. I'll give you an example. The condo that we bought, um, I think it sold a year and a half ago or a year ago for like about 90 grand. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that anybody ever lived in this place. They came in and they re- redid it, but not real expensively. Like I go in and the floors are nice, but they're just fucking linoleum to make look like tile. There's a lot of changes I would make to it, but the price they had on it was 140. So in one year, they're, they're trying to flip it and make 50 grand. Now, whether they do or not, it's hard to say, but this has nothing to do with homes. This has nothing to do with real estate. It's a fucking bet. And they're just trying to flip something quick. And, and that's showing up in a lot, lot of our economy these days, these hedge funds, just betting against us and then taking us for a ride. They exactly. did that. Uh, hedge funds did that down in Florida. Uh, my parents used to have a house uh, in Florida in Delray beach. And I forget what hurricane it was maybe 15 years ago. Um, it, it devastated South Florida. Well, there was this one community that half of the units were damaged to the point of being uninhabitable. So the people just left. Well, hedge funds came in after the places were vacant for a while. Got them. I, I guarantee you at pennies on the dollar, they did the bare minimum to fix it up. And then they started selling these, these units. And, you know, it's just, thankfully, I'm, I'm glad my parents don't have a place in Florida anymore. Cause I like to visit, but I don't feel like I need to be obligated to go visit. Cause I, you know, the less time I spend in Florida is fine by me, but that's what they did. And this community was, was absolutely huge. I mean, it, it went like, I think it was like, there were like five different entrances across a mile stretch of road. Uh, going to the east and west and to the south. I mean, it's just an absolutely enormous community. I know that these hedge funds, they made a killing when they resold these units. Yeah, and and because they're not like you and me, they can carry that interest forever. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's just insane. It should not be allowed. But it's driving up rents all over the country because they're buying these rental right. properties, house, you know, apartment buildings and so forth. Mm-hmm doubling the rent and so forth, getting rid of the people that live there. And then the people who live, who move in, they'll let them live there for a year or so. And then they'll do the same thing again. Eventually uh, there's a portion of the population and you see them everywhere. They're living in tents because quite frankly, you just can't afford an apartment anymore. Uh, I have uh, um, my wife and I bought this house here so we didn't have uh, to pay rent or a mortgage but if we didn't and and you know we retired with a pretty good income we would not be able to rent a house certainly or even a really good apartment even here 
Um, and, and we make double the median income in the state. Well, you know, it's funny is that where I ran into hedge funds too, prior to my retirement, I, I've told people I spent some time brokering loads of stuff, you know, it could have been anything, but as we got close to the, close to the, uh, the pandemic, I had the good fortune of having somebody in the States who had access to millions and millions of masks when it was, when there was a shortage. And I had all kinds of people wanting to buy from me. And I would get probably half the people that would come to try to buy from me were people who had no knowledge of the business I was in, no knowledge about medical supplies or anything. They were just guys with a bunch of money or a hedge fund that wanted to buy a shitload of them and then gouge people. And my partner and I, we talked, we talked to each other and said, we're not selling to these fucking people. We can sell these things all day. We're only making pennies on, uh, on the masks, which is fair. There's a lot of masks going out. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to be happy with what money we make. But I'm not going to sell it to some fuck that's going to throw a dollar on it for every mask just because they can. And I ran into this a lot when we were going in this process. It's like these hedge funds are, are like vermin, like Trumplefucks, just invading all these areas where they think they can turn a quick dollar. Uh, locust would be a very good uh, yeah, analogy. That's, good. that's, that's good. what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> or or ter- termites, even. Um, yeah. They, they, they bring destruction wherever they go. Uh, they've done it with uh, hospitals, doctors, uh, groups. And, uh, you know, they come in, they uh, fire half the staff, overwork the other half, and then move on. And uh, after they've destroyed it, after they've sucked every dime they can out of it, then they just abandon it and leaving people like, for example, once again, I seem to be in the the touch point here, but they came in, they bought up all the hospitals in the the, uh, Tri-Cities area here, Bristol, Kingsport, Johnson City, bought them all up. They closed one. They closed all but one major trauma unit and moved it to to, uh, Johnson City. And one of the reasons they did that was so they could use their helicopter more, which doesn't fly unless you give them $15,000. So, um, you know, they're leveraging uh, everybody who has to who has a major trauma has to get there quick, has to go by helicopter. And they're, they're making money hand over fist. They the hospital they closed, they turned into a nursing home. And this was allowed to happen because this is a Republican state. Yeah, it's 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 fucking unbelievable. I tell you what, we're at that point where we need to take a break. We will do that. And uh, we've got some other topics we'll talk about. But uh, let's take a quick break right now and we'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. 
There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. I have Ed with me and I have Fred with me. Fred is a listener who's been on the show before. And Ed, of course, is a, is a mainstay, a reoccurring character <laughs> on the Rational Boomer Podcast. And what I wanted to talk about is coming up next week on Tuesday, we have, what, the seventh hearing uh, with the January 6th committee. Now, after the Cassidy Hutchinson uh, hearing, everybody thought, oh, my God, this is a bombshell. This is the kill shot. And, and it's my premise that the way they structured these hearings is to get progressively harder on the Republicans, more explosive as time goes on. And see what you think about this. In this hearing coming up, we've got uh, them discussing the connections with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the terrorists. And and I think people are looking at, OK, we'll hear what the terrorists were thinking. But in addition to that, it's going to expose the connections to people in government that helped them either through tours, strategizing, whatever the fuck it was. And I'm guessing that in this hearing that they're going to expose some of the sitting members of Congress, some of the people in the White House, and even Ginny Thomas, because she was highly involved with these terrorist groups, too. So I'm thinking this this one on Tuesday may be even more explosive than what we saw with Cassidy Hutchinson. Curious as to what you think. I think it's just going to keep building up. I think this one's going to be bigger than Cassidy Hutchison. And I think the one after that's going to be even bigger and then even bigger after that. But like you said before, Mike, is that, you know, we were originally supposed to be eight. I think we may end up with, with double that because oh, yeah. people are coming out of the woodwork now. Like, Oh God, I'm fucked. I better, uh, I better get on board with this. And yeah, I, think I think it's just it, going to continue down that path. It'll be renewed <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, I think then there's going to be some people that you're not expecting to see. I think uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle is going to show up here, really? uh, not as not to testify, but she's going to be implicated because I know she had a lot to do with getting people to Washington, uh, chartering buses and and interacting with people who were doing that. I've seen mentions of her a couple of different times, which is a direct inroad, of course, to uh uh, to junior there and, um, and, and others in the, in the Trump family. But uh, yeah, I think you're going to see her mentioned. I think you're going to see uh, Jenny Thomas for sure, because she was also involved in, in getting people there and so forth. And, and um, we know that uh, others in the Trump orbit, uh, Roger Stone, for example, um, who received a pardon for something unrelated, but he was certainly involved in, uh, was it the Proud Boys or the One Percenters or, or Three Percenters? Or, I think it was uh, the Oath Keepers. Proud Boys. Oath, Keepers. Oath Keepers were his bodyguards or something. That's they were right, bodyguards yeah. somewhere. Well, yeah, you know, so, 
the, the interesting thing about Jenny Thomas is remember when it first was exposed, she was tied to the January 6th and all this stuff. And a news report or rumor came out that, yeah, she paid for all the buses for the people to come to uh, Washington, D.C. And then everybody on TikTok and some people on Facebook, or uh, they said, yeah, no, that's just a rumor. That didn't really happen. There's no proof of it. But then these texts from Jenny Thomas comes uh-huh. out where she says, hey, send me a Venmo so I can help pay for the buses. Well, we know she did it. And she's yes. going to be implicated in this big time because she was heavily involved. I, I can't understand why we don't have, I guess it's because you got to concentrate on one thing at a time, but I, I don't understand why they can't just go ahead and, and go ahead and impeach Clarence Thomas just based on that. I mean, the guy voted against, he was the sole vote against uh, um, letting Trump's records out that would have implicated his wife. Exactly. That to me is a, an impeachable offense right there. You don't need anything else. Well, I think we got to take back Congress first before uh, Democrats need to take Congress back first. True. Like, um, but as soon as I, I saw that, I remember when that came out, I just I had to reread it. I'm like, did I read this correctly? Did Clarence Thomas? I'm like, and then I realized like something is going on here that is going to be big coming out in the next couple of months. And And here we are. That's the thing that's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of things that come out, not just about the White House, not just about Donald Trump, but Congress, but (laughs) but uh, um, the the Supreme Court. Think about this. (laughs) We got three branches of government and every one of them was involved in trying to overthrow our government. The crazy fucking thing is, even though three uh, branches are all three branches of our government, tried to overthrow our government, they still fucking failed. You know, which uh, speaks well for the, the the few things that we did right, I guess. And the Republican stupidity. <laughs> oh. Well, there's that, isn't there? I mean, uh, this is the thing. Talk about the gang that couldn't shoot straight. I mean, uh, they did everything wrong, um, even though they had plans that possibly could have worked if they'd been executed properly, which is really scary. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to call the Republicans or the Trumple fucks the Apple Dumpling Gang, because that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much what they are. What I never understood was, you know, you've got people standing by Donald Trump even to this day. Now, if I'm a guy with half a brain and I'm watching what's going on, I'm seeing that what's going on with Donald Trump is going south. I'd want to get away from that as quickly as I possibly could. But still, there are people like Jim Jordan, who's going to be on the hook for an indictment. I guarantee you that still stand by this guy. It's like the lemmings going over the cliff. They know what it's going to end up being, but they don't care. They're just going to fucking kill themselves in the process. Well, you remember the old gangster movies where uh, they would send the most expendable um, yeah. member of the, the gang to maybe carry the bomb in or whatever it may be, you know, uh, they're willing to sacrifice some. And I think that's why, why we have the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the, the Lauren Bobberts, the, the Gomerts and the, the Biggs and all of these people, the Jordans, certainly, that uh, uh, these were the dimmest bulbs, the ones that they could do without. They're chaff. They're, they're, they're something to be uh, sacrificed. And, and so they let them take the lead 
they will be the sacrificial lambs. And, and the Lindsey Grahams and, and these people who also collaborated are going to try to, to uh, uh, sneak out. Uh, maybe they have some relationships with Democrats that they hope they'll be able to leverage or something like that. They were certainly a part of it. But uh, these are the sacrificial lambs that, that, that they're going to give up if they have to. I can only hope that that is the, the case. I, I read something and I don't know, you know, I didn't vet it. I didn't vet it with another source, but there's talk that Democrats could take as many as eight seats yes. in the Senate. And if that's the case, a lot more shit, I think, could hit the fan after, you know, when, when they get sworn in in January, stuff that may not hit the fan now with the January 6th committee. I think it's, you're, you're going to see, and especially if, if the Democrats hold the House, I think you could see Clarence, Clarence Thomas be impeached. Absolutely. And other members of Congress being kicked out. Well, I hope so. And I, and I go ahead, Mike. You have. Well, I, I think at the very least, they need to expand the court. That makes <laughs> yes. sense. That can be explained. It's a legitimate reason for doing it. They've got to expand the court. I think you're right. I sent a tweet this morning that said, and it was in reference to what just what you're talking about, Fred, that we're seeing some real signs of a blue wave starting to to uh, to build an offshore, so to speak, that's going to roar in. And a lot of it has to do with Roe versus Wade being canceled or, or, or affected anyway. And um, I, I think we're seeing that and people are seeing where the court is going and what damage they're going to make. And I do think that's going to happen. And if we could pick up eight seats, that'd be terrific. If we can have the Senate and Congress, but Joe Biden is going to have to put on his Roosevelt britches and he's going to have to be bold and he's going to have to uh, people don't remember this and we're never taught it in history because we don't teach things like that. But the Supreme Court declared Social Security to be unconstitutional. And Roosevelt said, then I will pack the court and they backed down. Right. Exactly. It, it was it was a big deal. I'm worried about Social Security and I think we need to trumpet that. Because we've had uh, Scott in Florida, and now we have Lindsey Graham both speaking out, saying we've got to address, we've got to cut it, and we've got to raise raise the age to 70. So, uh, you know, they're trying to get rid of all the social safety net. They're going to try to get rid of all of any any social project that Roosevelt put in is on the chopping block. Joe is going to have to step up. or whoever takes his place if he decides not to run again, although I'm sure he will, uh, barring health problems and so forth. They have to be as bold as Roosevelt because they have the momentum. And if you let it die, you won't be forgiven. You will not be forgiven. People be like me, pick up and move to Ireland or something and say, screw Mm -hmm. it. Nothing can be done. The part that that disturbs me getting on the Social Security thing is that that Lindsey Graham and Rick Scott have called them entitlements. Right. Yes. They're not entitlements. We pay no. into them. Right. And, and what, what but, but there, there's, there's people on the Republican side that, that, that truly believe that it is an entitlement, like just normal people. Uh, the and, reason they go ahead. No, that, that's it. I, I just, I just can't get my head around that. It's like, do you, do you look at your paycheck? Do you see what comes out of it? You're well, paying the, into the, that. Exactly. And and I think everybody who uh, hopes to either is receiving Social Security like Mike and I, or you are, aren't you, Mike, now? Hell yes. I take the free money. 
Okay. <laughs> so but they, uh, anybody who is receiving it now or hopes to in the future, and, and I'm afraid that doesn't include millennials and, that, millennials, and that's a problem, and they just don't think it'll be there. But uh, we can make sure that it is. But uh, the appeal for the Scots and the Grahams and so forth, remember who these people work for. They work for the oligarchs. They work for the corporations and the, and, and the Musks and the, uh, the, the Bezos and these people who, every, when they see somebody receiving Social Security, they see money coming out of their pocket and matching funds that goes to Social Security. That's money that they're giving up that they don't see they're getting a benefit for. That's who this is aimed at. Not the people receiving Social Security. Everybody supports that who is in line to receive it, who's been paying in. It's the business owners. I mean, think about a corporation that employs hundreds of thousands of people who pay a portion of the Social Security matching their employees' uh, contribution every month. That's a huge amount of money to them that they would just soon hang on to. So this is who this is aimed at. They're looking for corporate contributions to help them do this. They don't give a, give a crap what you or I think. They're, this is, they're playing to, their, uh, to the, uh, the uh, expensive seats, not the cheap seats. Yeah, and you know, being self-employed, I see... You know, I, yeah, it is when I pay my quarterly taxes, that is a bit of a, a bite, but mm -hmm. because I got to pay both ends of it. Right. Exactly. But at this, but at the same time, I'm like, my thinking is, okay, this, I'll get this back when I'm 62 or 65, whenever I decide to take social security. But the last quarterly taxes that I paid, I was like, am I even going to see this money again? Is this, well, this is the thing. And there's thousands and thousands, millions of people just like you, Fred that have to have that same thought, I would think. But you know what? We've been hearing this for decades. When I was, you know, in my thirties or forties, people would say to me, you're never going to see your social security. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think social security or Medicare will ever be taken away because there would be too much of an uproar. Let me, let me ask you this. Maybe you can have, you two guys can make, make sense of this. I hear from Democrats all the time. Well, the Republicans are just going to win the midterms like they always do. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. What I'm wondering is when you have a party trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, taking away constitutional rights away from women, suppressing the votes of people of color, marginalizing and uh, even going after the LGBTQ. We've got the January 6th committee coming out with uh, uh, bombshell information about how the Republicans tried to overthrow this government. And then you have Rick Scott coming out saying, this is the Republicans plan. We're going to tax people making under a hundred thousand dollars more money. We're going to take away Medicare. We're going to take away uh, uh, social security. In oh, what fucking... Go ahead. Don't forget, don't forget uh, they were they're They're aiming at uh, affordable care act again, too. Right, exactly. They're going to take away your, your health care. In what fucking parallel universe does it make sense that with all that shit exposed to the public, what, what parallel uh, universe is it that they can win in the midterms? No logic, no common sense says they can win. It points all toward a blue wave. And I don't get how fucking Democrats will say, oh, they're just going to win. 
Well, because uh, they're not connected. I mean, as many Democrats as Republicans, uh, they may vote, they may not vote, but uh, they're not watching. You know, the Republicans are watching Fox. Well, so do some Democrats, especially around here. Or they're watching CNN, which is becoming Fox Light. Um, there's uh, and newspapers. Um, I mentioned this before here where I live. All the radio stations, the AMs anyway, um, and all of the newspapers, the, the small newspapers, even the city newspapers, they're all owned by groups like, uh, well, they're all owned by right-wing groups now. They have uh, a, a stranglehold on information into the hinterland. And this has been planned. This is not accidental. They have claimed these, my hometown paper, I don't subscribe anymore. It used to be a, a fun little paper with lots of local stuff in it. Now it's uh, syndicated columns from people like Larry Elder and, and people of that ilk. And I imagine Dr. Oz has probably had one. And uh, the devil goes down to George. Charlie Daniels had one, a real white right-wing thing. I know he didn't write it. Somebody wrote it for him. But that's what's in my hometown paper now. Wow. And uh, uh, and that's not an exception. That's all of these. This is a constant stream of this stuff heading from every direction at people in, in rural America where I sit. And, and sadly, a lot of those people in rural America don't realize that the Republicans are, are the group of people that don't give a shit about them. They don't care about poor people. I mean, Donald no. Trump even said, I love the poorly educated because they don't know what shit he's trying to pull. Exactly. And, uh, what you know, the three aiming. of us will will read, will will seek out. You know, if we read something, we'll seek out an additional source on it and verify right. it. And you know, a lot of people don't do that. It, like Mike always says, it's clickbait. They read the headline and that's they formulate their opinion on that. I yeah, think, they're they're I getting think their information from fa- Facebook. I, I hate yeah. to say this, and it's going to piss people off, but I think the vast majority of American public is fucking lazy. Yes. They don't want to do the investigation. They aren't motivated to look into it. So they hear what they hear. They form their opinion based on uh, headlines or whatever. And that's a sad thing because uh, if you don't think that's a problem, look at where we are now. How does Donald Trump even get to be president? Because the left side media gave him all this play because he's good TV and he's a shit show. And then all of a sudden that gives him legitimacy. And then all these people that are weak or feel marginalized will want to uh, will want to get behind him because they need a champion to uh, save their lives or fight for them. And that isn't what they are getting from the Democratic side. I think well, they part don't. of it, too, was uh, was also with apathy. A lot of yes. people didn't like Hillary Clinton, so they didn't vote. Exactly. And that's how we got to where we are today. And they had spent 10 years making you not like her. Um, uh, the the right wing media had targeted her because they knew that eventually she would be the candidate, and they guessed right on that, and uh, and and it worked unfortunately. But uh, people are just ignorant too. I mean, one of the big things that the the legislature in Tennessee is going to do next time is write an amendment to the state constitution, making it a right to work state by an amendment to the constitution, not just a law. 
And uh, so you'll never be able to get rid of it unless you have some sort of gigantic blue wave that would allow you to uh, to get rid of a constitutional amendment. They don't realize what that means. I mean, the South in general is always made less because they don't have unions. They've never embraced them because they were, quote, communist. Uh, and they were sold that bill of goods, and they still believe it, even though they make less than most other parts of the country for the same job. They just don't understand. They're just ignorant, and they don't educate themselves. Well, and that's why I've said all along, you know, we're going through this student loan forgiveness thing. They need mm-hmm. to forgive as much of it as they can if they want to s- save our economy 20 years from now, 15 years from now. But I think more importantly, we need to get as much free education, free post-secondary education to as many people as we possibly can, whether it be trade schools, whether it be junior colleges, or whether it be four-year colleges. We need to get as many people going to college or getting whatever kind of training they need because we have a country that's largely dumb and uninformed. And because of that, we're a weaker country. Maybe not at this moment, but ultimately – it's going to go downhill if we don't have smart people in this fucking country. Well, absolutely. And, and another thing here, we have no state income tax, which is one of the reasons I moved back here, because I was paying a fairly high state income tax in Minnesota. Here, I don't pay any, but I tell everybody that I can have a discussion with, we need a state income tax. Why? Because it's a retired person. Uh, I would probably not pay very much, if anything, because they do forgive property tax and that sort of thing for people my age group here. But uh, rich people are getting a free ride. And here in my home county, they uh, uh, fortunately, they got an infusion of money from the, the COVID uh, COVID money is here and that will help some. But uh, they don't know how to uh, they don't know how to use it. They'll fritter it away. It won't go to the people that it should help, just like the PPP money didn't. And uh, uh, they will never hold these rich people who are actually making money that could be taxed. Uh, They will instead put a a wheel tax on your car, which is just a personal property tax that we do pay here because uh, it's the only way they can balance the budget. Whereas if we had a state income tax, they don't understand that it's a graduated tax so that poor people will pay virtually nothing, whereas rich people will pay quite a bit and corporations, which they should. You're going to get more state taxes if the red states get what they want. If they want to destroy the federal government, the money is going to have to come from somewhere. And if you've got these little fiefdoms, these little states doing what they want to do, they aren't getting money from the federal government anymore if they destroy it. So they got to get it from somewhere and it's coming out of your ass. Exactly. You know, we'll be back to the share, sharecropper thing. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, at the, in twenty was it twenty twenty, they tried to pass a constitutional amendment in Illinois making our, our income tax a progressive tax. But because right now we, we pay a flat tax, I think it's three point nine five percent. And all these people, all the the rich people, were putting out these ads like, "Oh, you can't pass this. You're going to pay more in taxes." And I tried to explain it to people. I said, if you make $100,000 a year, you're going to pay less in taxes. Yeah. And no, 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 that's not what the ads are saying. So it failed. Like, I think 51 to 49 or something. It was really close. But, you know, here we are, you know, okay, pay your higher income taxes. You know, it's, 
people understand that that is a regressive tax. Poor people are paying more. They're paying disproportionately more. And it just, it goes back to, to what Ed was saying about ignorance. It's just, we live in a society of idiots when it comes to certain things. Yeah, I just had that, I just had that argument the other day with a guy I went to high school with. We should just have a 15% flat tax all across the country. And that would be fair for everybody. And I and, and I, I could not get it through his head. But no, it isn't. It's regressive. And poor people pay a lot more than rich people. <laughs> but there you go. Well, if we want the economy to flourish, um, you you got to get the rich people to pay taxes. I like the flat tax in the sense where they're forced to pay something because so many are paying nothing. But but then you can't take the same percentage out of people who have no fucking money because 15% to them uh, is maybe the difference between surviving and not surviving. There has to be some common sense when it comes to taxing. We have to have taxes to a certain extent, but as long as the rich and the corporations don't have to pay taxes, we're fucked. I mean, if you look at the economies and when life was good, like around Bill Clinton or the 50s, 1950s, that's when rich people were paying a lot of fucking money. Actually, in the 50s, they were probably paying way too much taxes, but you can even it out and make it fair so everybody pays their fair share and we can flourish as a country. But as long as they try to keep taking money from the middle class and destroying the middle class, this country is going nowhere. And the middle class is pretty much gone yeah. uh, around around here. It is definitely gone. I mean, the, the median income here is around 30,000, but uh, probably drop down. The, uh, there are plenty of people making 15 or less. And, and how do you uh, survive the, on that? I well, I have no. Well, I know how they do. I see. I see them shopping, and they're buying crap that's going to kill them by the time they're fifty. Uh, that's one way you do it. Uh, the other way you do it is to cook meth on the side because that's an epidemic here. Wow. Yeah, I, I think people don't realize that, like when we talk about minimum wage or not paying these people properly or. or taking a lot in taxes. What they don't understand is, is that it ends up costing the government more money when you do that, because now these people are living in poverty levels and they can't afford simple things like food and clothing and that sort of thing. So they go to the government for help, whether it be welfare or whatever it is. So you can say, we can't pay these people 15 bucks an hour, but what you're really saying is let the government pay them. And that's contrary to what Republicans tell us, but that's exactly what they're doing. Exactly. And uh, the other thing is I have to jump on this. Every time I I hear the $15 an hour, I lose my shit because it it should be almost twice that. I mean, uh, if if you allow wages to rise at the rate that everything else did from the 70s, well, it should be around between $25 and $30 an hour uh, for one person to be able to uh, do what we did uh, in, in the 50s, where my father worked, my mother stayed home, uh, two kids, car, house, all that on his salary. And he was a truck driver. He didn't make a shitload of money until he got in a union years later. But uh, you could do that. All of, the, all of my friends were that way. Nobody's mother worked except the few who whose mothers were teachers and uh and they did well because the father you know also had a job of some sort but 
this was the era uh, you've got to pay people what they're worth. Right now, business is knocking it down. And, uh, and the, the, the people that are making the $15 an hour, that's still not enough in most places to even afford a decent apartment unless both people are working. And, and then maybe you can scrape by. Uh, the mother and father, but if you're a single parent, for example, uh, you may be getting some WIC or something like that, but all welfare has some sort of work requirement now, unless you're totally disabled. So um, half the country is living in poverty. We just don't realize that uh, we're, we just don't call it that anymore. Well, it's interesting because, you know, there's, there's a lot of businesses and it's like this probably everywhere that businesses around where I live that are you know, help wanted will pay $15 an hour and you know 16 uh, the Menards is going to down the street from us is going to pay 1650 an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, that's great if you're a kid, uh-huh. but if you're just looking for something 15, 20 hours a week, okay, that's, that's a decent amount of money, but you can't support a family on that. No, there's, we're there's a, a no car. Uh, uh, the average car costs you over $20,000 a year. Your, your rent is $1,300 a month. That $15 doesn't go a long way. <laughs> it just doesn't. No, and it's a sad state of affairs. It was bad when we were young. Now it's gotten worse. And this is why we're hearing millennials staying at home with mom and dad. It's not because they want to. It's not because they're wimpy or they, they, they don't know how to be out on their own. The government has specifically made it so that they literally cannot afford on the income that they get to fucking survive. And that should be a red flag to us, but apparently people aren't grasping that either. You want to hear another great law Tennessee's considering? Oh, I love to hear it. This fucking (laughs) rednecks. (laughs) Four people who are not related cannot occupy the same apartment. (laughs) Oh wow! So they're 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 forcing those kids into the basements. That's what it's coming down to. I mean, that's that's what they're looking for. You know, you can't you can't. I mean, all through college, I lived with four guys. You know, that would not be allowed now under this law. And what would be their motivation for that? Obviously, that's just, that's they want to. So, <laughs> so isn't that it's, to me? <laughs> it is. It is. It's fucked up. But do you know how they sell it? They sell it with religion. That's why. Because uh, some of those people might fornicate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they might. (laughs) I I can pretty much guarantee it. (laughs) But But, uh, but sadly, you know, sadly, uh, like a like a year ago when, you know, my son would would started giving him an allowance, he would do stuff around the house. And, you know, you give him five dollars for, you know, cutting the grass. And, you know, it's all the money in the world to him. But you know, he, re- he was realizing that, like, you know, it takes a while to save up for something that he wants. And, you know, we've had the conversation with him. It's like, you know, because uh, I moved out of my house within 15 months of graduating college. I wanted to move down to the city, live by Wrigley Field, enjoy that life. But I've told my son, I said, you know, you can live at home as long as you need to. If you're, you know, struggling, if, if you're working, just all we ask is that you help out around the house. And we're not even saying financially. It's just maybe... Do the yard work once a week. Like you can live at home for as long as you want. Well, unless you, know, you do something stupid, <laughs> you're, you're, we're never going to tell you to leave the house. Well, and I, I think most parents are that way. And, and that's why we see so many kids still at home because 
the parents are wanting the kid to be able to have a life and they realize that to do that for them to have a car or something like that, they have to have a free paid place to live or, or even to continue their education because uh, I know plenty of people, unfortunately, who didn't save for their kids' education, and and it became so untenable. Now they, the kids look and say, "I don't want to be paying student loans when I'm seventy, you know. And and I know people who are doing that. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 appalling. I mean, the cost of education when you and I and and even Fred went to school was dramatically different. It was almost affordable. I mean, I think I went to a semester at the U of M for like 1700 bucks. You, you know, you, you, you're at 3,500 bucks a year times four, you're at 12, $15,000. That's reasonable. But now, you know, I've, I have two kids that went to UMD and both their costs for their education was 40, 50,000 bucks a piece. That's exactly. a vastly different thing to try to handle. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I went to college in the '90s. It was it was twenty five thousand for four four years total, yeah. state school. And you just well, see, I, like, with what you're talking about, you see the progression of the cost is going up exponentially. Well, I started in '68. I, I graduated in '67. I worked at a printing factory for eight months and saved up around five grand. And for and uh, I worked there every summer. Uh, so I had that five grand and then I added about maybe 1200 to it each, each, uh, each summer. And, uh, I had a work study job in the theater department building sets and so forth. I walked out of college without owing a dime because my, my tuition was like under $300 for a full load of 15 credits. And, um, I, I walked out with them owing nothing. But I had a lot of, uh, of, of classmates. I was a theater major. I was an art major and a theater major. And I had a lot of them who were there on loans. And they walked out maybe owing 10 grand tops. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they paid that off in the first five years of work. You know, because uh, most of them didn't wind up as artists or, or actors. Right. <laughs> well, they wound up in, in, in uh, you know, some other profession. But uh, they were able to pay their student loans off because, A, number one, the tuition was, was insane. And number two, you could save up. You could work for a year and go to college for four. Uh, that's uh, pretty amazing when you think about it. And, Fred, I don't know that you know this. You're younger than I am. I'm younger than Ed. Ed is so old that when he was in high school, he had a part-time job at a blacksmith. And, he went, right. to, and he went to prom with Laura Ingalls Wilder. So that's right. <laughs> she wouldn't put out though. No, she wouldn't. She, she was saving herself for something else, but, but uh, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure being put on these kids that are coming up. I may be long dead before they really feel the pinch, but they need to look ahead and I hope they get involved in this midterm race and every race after that, because they're really determining their own destiny. And they shouldn't have old white men determining their fucking destiny because none of these guys are going to be involved with any abortions. They've stocked away as much money as they possibly can get, and they don't give a shit about the rest of the public, whether they have enough to eat. And hopefully the millennials and the Gen Zers acknowledge this and realize it and get out and vote like they need to vote if they want to ensure some kind of decent future. 
Oh, I'm going to take a uh, take a phrase from Ed's book: "From your lips to God's ears." <laughs> there, <laughs> there yeah. we go. I'm hoping that one catches on. Um, but uh, I I do look back from '72, and uh, I, I realize the advantages I had uh, growing up when I did that that people today just don't have. Um, it was possible to. Uh, to have the beaver cleaver experience without too much effort. I mean, uh, uh, and, and you talked about the graduated taxes and so forth. Well, yeah, there was a 90% percentile at that time, but nobody paid that or very few. I mean, maybe a Rockefeller here and there, but then, and that's what it was for. It was graduated so that nobody became a billionaire. And I, I personally think becoming a billionaire is kind of obscene. Because uh, uh, if you can, if you accumulate that much money, all it does is make more money. It isn't helping anybody, um, and it should be. It shouldn't be allowed. So either you either tax it and take it away from them, or you force them to do something with it that will benefit mankind. What's wrong you with that? Force them to do something. You force them to do something other than build a rocket that looks like a like a cock and balls. But, yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's obscene, is what it is. It is the epitome of narcissism, and 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 when you have billions of dollars, I can't possibly think why you. If you have a billion dollars, I can't possibly imagine why you need another one. That's more money than you can spend in your lifetime, reasonably speaking. That's more money than you and I and Fred and probably. 200 other people make in a lifetime, if not more. It's just, it is obscene. And and people in the Republican Party will say, why shouldn't everybody be able to make what they make? Uh, because they worked hard. You shouldn't take that away from them. That's fine. But they didn't. They but don't, didn't. don't do it on the backs of the people that are fucking starving. Yeah, give me an emerald mine. And in a few years, I'll uh, probably come up with I'll probably have a few bucks. You know, I mean, if you're not stupid, if you start out with money, like all of these guys do, I mean, they claim I came up from nothing bullshit. You know, uh, Musk's father had an emerald mine. Uh, Bezos mother worked uh, for or, uh, what's his face? Uh, Bill Gates' mother worked for IBM, for the president, you know, this kind of stuff. They all had help to get where they were. And then once they got enough money, they were able to pay people off to help them get even more. I mean, um, if you can afford the lawyers and the accountants, you can become a billionaire. It's that simple. Yeah. I'm going to make a crazy, arrogant statement here. If my father, like Donald Trump's father, gave me a half a billion dollars, I guarantee you I could have been more successful than Donald Trump ever fucking imagined. I guarantee you I maybe could have run for president. And I know for a fact, even though I'm a dumb shit, I could have been a better president than he was. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't really think you're a dumb shit, but I do think that pretty much anybody you could grab off the street uh, could have beat Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. My wife and kids think I'm a dumb shit. So I'm just taking it from there. You know, everything I say. 
everything I say. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you saying that again? This is, this is why it's cathartic for me to do the podcast and TikTok. There are people that actually resonate with some of the things I say. <laughs> and, and it's good for my own well-being to know that I'm not fucking crazy. And, 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 or maybe I'm just amongst a big crowd of crazy people. But that's fine. As long as I'm around my people, I'm cool. Well, the British have a phrase, no man is a hero to his valet. So I think that works for family, too. Yeah, I think so. Well, we're running out of time here, and I want to appreciate you I appreciate you guys stepping in and doing this podcast. I wasn't sure how this would turn out, but I would say it was a rousing success. Yeah, if you guys hadn't talked so much, it would have been a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old guys always complaining. But, you know, what can we do? What can we do? Fred, thank you for, for spending the time with us. This was your idea. This is a good idea. It worked out perfectly. People have told me you're going to have, <laughs> it's always funny to me, Ed. Uh, some people have written to me emails and said, having guests on the air. My God, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Ed's worked in it and I've worked in talk radio a lot when I was younger. That That's the whole fucking show. It's just a little different here because we're not taking 90 million calls. We're finding one good listener and the shows end up turning out well. And I'm not surprised by that at all. So I appreciate all that you're doing, Fred. I yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I, I definitely enjoyed our time. I know we went kind of long, but, you know, like like you said, it's like uh, I'm like you, Mike. I don't drink. So it'd be like three guys just having a meal together. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't drink either. I just do recreational drugs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> An edible here and there. Um, you you did grow, you did come of age in the sixties. So I know how you fucks are. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, it, you said we did go long and I was thinking about that recently. I said, well, we went long, you know, I set this parameter of about an hour in my head, but you know what I say normally, Fred, it's my fucking show. If we want to go three hours, we're going to go fucking three hours. And you know what? We probably could. Yeah, we definitely could. And I'm not yeah. doing it because we can't, <laughs> I'm doing it to try to, uh, to respect the people who are listening as it is. I, I appreciate the fact they set away X amount of time to listen to these shows. So I don't want to abuse that. Well, my hero's here on my chest. Folks can't see that. The dude. Uh, yes. The dude abides. <laughs> Indeed. And we will abide and talk to you again. All right. Thanks very much, Fred. Thanks very much, Ed. I hope you enjoyed the show, the listeners. Uh, I hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you again tomorrow probably thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode we'll see you next time